The next bracha is known as Birkat Hashanim. Barech Aleinu et Hashana Azot, let call me Neitfu Atah, Litova. It's clearly a bracha which we request. What's called Panasa? We're requesting uh, food, sustenance. And that's the meaning of the bracha. There are two interesting things to note about this bracha. One is that an examination of the language of the Bacha indicates immediately that, at least technically speaking, the the noun, the, the subject of the Bacha, is shanim, years. It begins that way, Barech Aleinu et Hashana. It has the me'en chatima, samuch chatima, the conclusion, the summation towards the end. Ki ata shanim. You who bless the years and the the ultimate proof, the language of the actual conclusion, Hashanim, he who blesses the years. And this surely is a matter of uh, of some of some concern, some wonder. Why is the noun? Why is the actual subject of the bracha the blessing of the years? The the I, I would say that the the, the subject should be perhaps the earth, since the Bacha is clearly agricultural. God blesses the land. And in truth, it should be people. God blesses people. And in the end, we don't really care whether the land is blessed. We care that we should be able to get the blessings. Now, it's true that the overwhelming majority of people in the time of Chazal were engaged in agriculture, were farmers. But even so, uh, there were some who weren't. And, and, Ultimately speaking, we're asking for, as I said before, Panasa, which can come from any one of a number of places. And so I would say the Bacha should be Mavarech people, he who blesses people. But that sounds a little bit strange. So maybe blesses the land. But why blesses the year? Why, why is the year the unit and subject of this, of this Bacha? It is true that agriculture is seasonal. In other words, in the normal conditions, in, in most conditions, the blessing of agriculture is once a year. But that would appear to be only a, a perhaps a um, an accidental unit. is isn't the primary unit. The primary unit is actually blessed every single day of my life, in other words, all the time. And furthermore, it raises the question as to why Chazar chose specifically to... Uh, to form this Bacha, to write it in an agricultural language. Even if agriculture is the most important and at certain times the most prevalent occupation of the Jewish people, but nonetheless the question is, why is in fact the focus of the blessing only on agriculture and not the final result and what we're really interested in is having a lot of food and having a lot of sustenance and having a lot of uh, provisions uh, as I said, panasa for all our needs. That, that I think is the main question. That the word shanim is so uh, uh, prominent in this bracha. It's not just mentioned once. It's 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 the word which is repeated over and over again. It's clearly the leading uh, phase of the bracha that we have to examine that question. In, in fact, the in, in the language of Chazal, the shorthand name of this bracha is berkat shanim. A second and less pressing question would be about the verb used. The noun of the Bacha is Shanim, 
The verb is barech, to bless. No, that doesn't sound unusual. Obviously, we're asking for blessing. However, it should be pointed out that we don't ask, we don't use this verb in any other bracha. You could have used this verb for any bracha. Bless us with wisdom. Bless us with forgiveness. Bless us with geula. Bless us with refuah. But we don't. A standard, non-specific verb would be perhaps to give. Give us the fruits of the year. The word to bless, bracha, is found only in this, only in this bracha. As though it seemed to be saying that stam bracha, just pure, standard, unidentified blessing, means means a fruitful year in our fields. And I'd like to understand that as well. In the past, our method of analyzing a bracha would be to look at the psukim on which it's based. This bracha is not based on any psukim. The Bishonim who engaged in this process, the Rebbe Rabbi Yaakov and the, uh, and the Abudraham, uh, could not find, nor can anyone who uses a more modern method of uh, computer search, cannot find very many mention of the phrases used in this bracha any place in Tanakh. And in fact, we showed him only found one word, a single word, which has a biblical basis. Obviously, a single word is not going to be a, a much of a basis. Um, but the context is nonetheless interesting. The word shanim, the word that we are attempting to examine, has a basis in a pasuk found in the Navi Yoel, in the second parak, where it says, V'shilamti lachem et hashanim. And I will pay you back. I will compensate you for the years, which years, those lost years, where the fruits and produce had been destroyed by um, by locust. So, the Bishon mentioned this, this, this Pasuk, where we see the word Shanim. And I think that it's not, although it's only one word, I think in fact it's a very, very perspicacious comment. And let us examine the second parak in Yoel, which I think will uh, explain to us the entire bracha. It's a very long parak. I'm not going to read the whole parak. And in fact, if I really wanted to get into it, I'd read the first parak as well. The first two parakim in Yoel form a unit. The first parak in Yoel describes a a makata bear like like in Mitzrayim. It describes a terrible, overwhelming, deadly attack of locusts which is described as an army which destroys the land. Perak Aleph, Pasuk, Vav, Kigoi Allah al-Artsi, for a nation, has attacked my land. Atsum ve'en mispar, great without number. Shinav shine aryei, umetalot lavilo, his teeth are like the teeth of a lion. His jaws like that of a lion. Sam gafni the shama destroyed the vines. Uta'enati the ktsafa and the um, fig trees. Chasof chasafa vehishlich hilbinus arigen. It goes on and on and on. And there's total destruction of the land. Second parak refers again to this. And second parak that I want to be that I'm interested in. It begins. It's called the Day of the Lord, but not the Happy Day of the Lord, but a destructive Day of the Lord. Yom Choshech Va'afela, Yom Anan Va'arafel, a day of darkness, of cloud. Keshachar 
פרוס על הערים, עם רב ועצום, כמוהו לא נהיה מן העולם הקרוב ליוסף עד שני דור ודור. A nation is greater than ever before seen. This nation is the locust, not a nation of people. לפניו אכלה אש ואחריו תלהיט להבה, before it's fire and afterwards fire. כגן עדן הארץ לפניו, before it, a גן עדן. Beautiful garden. ואחריו מדבר שממה. But after it, an empty and desolate desert. וגם פלטה לא הייתה לו, nothing survives. Yeah, this goes on and on and on and on. It's described as great length. I think the great length is important here. Uh, the land will be destroyed by this invading army of, of locusts. V'adonai natan kolo lifnei chilo. And God cried out before His army. Ki rab ma'od machaneu ki atzum osei dvaro. כי גדול יום אדוני ונורא מאוד מי יכילנו. אז אין פסוק, זה פסוק י"ב. ותור גוי, או דו גוי, אבל זה לא מאוחר, וגם אתה, אבן נאו, נו אדוני, שובו עדיי בכל לבבכם ובצנו ובחיו מספיין. You can still do תשובה. Fasting and crying and mourning. And tear your souls, but not your clothes. And return unto God. For He is merciful. ערך אפיים ורב חסד וניחם על הרע ומי יודע ישוב וניחם וישר אחריו ברכה מנחה ונסך לאדוני אלוהיכם. And your repentance can still, can still work. And then in a section which is well known because it's the Haftara of Shabbat Shuvah, פסוק סס תיקו שופר בציון קדשו צום קרוע צרה אספו עם קדשו קהל קיצו זקנים אספו עולים יונקי שדיים יצא חתן מחדרו וחלה מחופתה. Everyone should join this public mass mourning. And, and, and prayer, בין האולם ולמזבח יפקו הכהנים משרתי אדוני. In the Beit HaMikdash, the priests, the servants of God, who in the first parak had been described how the, the Beit HaMikdash is in mourning because no produce reaches the Beit HaMikdash for the libations of wine and for the menachot of grain. So the Kohanim are crying Inside the Beit HaMikdash, and this is what they say. Pasuk Yudzayim. Husa Adonai al Amecha ve'at ten nahalatacha l'chepa l'mshol bam goyim. Lama yomru va'amim ayeh yadoyim. They say to God, have mercy on your people and on your nachala and on your estates. Do not let your, your land be shamed. to be ruled by the nations, why should the nations say, where is their God? We recognize the source of this pasuk. It's Moshe Rabbein who said this when the Jews were in the desert and were about to be destroyed by God. And he said, don't do it because it will be a chil Hashem because the nations will say they have no God. Ayyay Elohim. And when they say that, Vayikamei Adonai Da'atso Vayachamol Al-Amo And God Because of the land, that you can name Hashem al-Fa'al God, who is zealous to his land, and therefore he is Hashem. It's very unusual pasuk. God said to the Jews they should do tshuva, they should repent, and then it says, people have this great mass meeting, 
And the Kohenim are crying, and what do they say? They say to God, save us from the Chidol Hashem. If the land fails, crop failure is described in this parak as being Chilul Hashem. And what gets God to change his mind is the appeal to Chilul Hashem. Adonai and then God says, And God says, Yes, I will send you a bountiful year of crops, of wine, of oil, and you will have you have much, you'll be full of it, and I will not let you be a disgrace among the nations. And I will chase away the locust. And it explains that they'll be destroyed. And then it says, Do not fear land. Earth, do not fear. The land should rejoice. The animals, the animals should not be afraid. For the land will give its fruit. And the people of Zion, rejoice in the Lord your God. For he will bring you the rain. He will bring you the beginning, the first rains of the year. And then your silos will be full. And I will uh, compensate you. I will pay you back for the years which were eaten by the by the locust. Hayli Hagadol, my great army, which I send for you, and you will eat b'achaltem achol v'savoa. You will eat until you are full, until you are sveim. V'hilaltem et shem adonai loichem. Then you will praise God. Asher asayim achem lafli, who has done wonderful things for you. V'lo yevoshu amili olam, but you will not be disgraced. And the last pasuk of the parak, v'idatem ki v'kerev Yisrael ani, and you will know that I am in the, your midst. And I am the Lord your God. And there is no other. My people will not be disgraced. What the Perak has done very, very clearly and dramatically is said, crop failure is Chilul Hashem. Crop failure means God is not here. People will say, where is their God? He's absent. Crop failure is the sign of the absence of God. And therefore God returns. And when He returns, what happens? Gilu v'simhu Rejoice in in God. And the last passage says it explicitly. And you will know that I am in the midst of Israel. What this parak has said is that crop failure is the absence of God. And a bountiful year, bountiful land, is the very presence of God. The parak has said that the fruits of the land are not a gift from God, but they're the presence of God in the midst of the people. In fact, the Pasuk has said that it's the presence of God in the earth itself, so to speak. The prophet addresses the land and says, Givi bismachi adama, earth be joyous. Why should the earth be happy? I mean, I understand it's a metaphor. 
But why should the earth be happy if it was giving fruits? If not because it's God coming back, so to speak, to the earth. The Perek, and by transfer to our Tefillah, the Bacha, has created an identity between the physical manifestation of a, a, a bountiful agriculture and the spiritual cause of it, which is not God's will that you should be rich, not God's will that the tree should give fruits, but God's presence, Bekir Bechem, Ki Bekerev Yisrael Ani, for I am found within you. And this, I think, explains the use of the word Barech, to bless. What is, in fact, what does it mean, in fact, to bless? The first blessing in the Torah, the archetype of all blessings, one might say, is, the very beginning of Breshit, God creates animals, and says to them, Peru Uruvu. God creates man a little bit later and says to him, gives him a bracha, Peru Uruvu. Be fruitful and multiply. Blessing means multiplication. It means fruitfulness. It can be applied to the vegetative world, and there's no spukim and beshit, it's applied to the animal world. But bracha doesn't mean that you have a lot, but that you're making a lot. Being rich is not a bracha. Being productive is a bracha. And the reason is because, as we say in the very fact that we recite berachot, we say, Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu Mechlam. We bless God. We bless God because the source of blessing is not God's will. The source of everything is God's will. But the source of blessing is God Himself. The, so to speak, the spirit of God is the ability to reproduce. God created the world yesh and God created the world ex nihilo. The creation of the world was an act of production, production in an infinite sense. From nothing. Something from nothing. And when that was finished, he said to men, continue the same process. There's a, 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 a very dramatic medrash in the beginning of Bashit which which compares man and angels. It says man is like angels in some respect, but he's not like angels in other respect. The respect that he's not like angels, one of them is, one of them is that he dies. The other one is that he's The angels are very wonderful beings, but they're not productive, they're not creative. They don't produce. They're static. And beracha means that God, so to speak, I'm going to say this, it's a metaphor, but I, I, I can't say anything more real than the metaphor itself. God lives within man. And that's where production, reproduction, creation is found. And therefore, it's no surprise that the word beracha primarily means Agricultural produce, the fact, the, 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 the metaphor, it's not even a metaphor anymore, but, okay, the metaphor, the symbol, the, 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 the place in the natural world where I see production of new things, sustainable production, among other things, because it renews itself every year, 
is in the agricultural world. The earth produces fruits. Now, we know, and frankly, first Chazal knew, as did the Nevi'im, that the earth doesn't produce fruit. Seeds produce fruit. But nonetheless, we today speak, and Chazal spoke, the picture is of the inert earth producing fruits. And I think we see that that way, and we, we, we hold on to that metaphor because of the, the great idea involved there. That you're producing more. That it's the inner earth, there's plain earth. You add water, you add seeds, and you get a fruit. And it's mother earth, not mother seed, that strikes our image, that strikes our, our, our imagination as the image of, 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 of productivity. The earth comes back to life. The desert is dead. And, and the, the real earth, the agricultural earth is alive. And once we understand the, the nature of the Bacha in this matter, we understand why the unit is Shanim. I will pay you back for the dead years. It's not merely because, as it turns out, the normal agricultural cycle in most of the world is one crop per year. We know there are exceptions to that. Sometimes you produce two crops a year. And, and obviously in all other uh, professions, it doesn't work in a year. You produce every day if you're productive. If you're a factory worker, you produce every day, every minute perhaps. The point isn't that the unit is a year. The point is that the unit is time. And yes, in agriculture, the unit is a year. Baracha is growth. The unit of growth is the passage of time. You can have a lot of money now. You can have a lot of fruits now. Now, at this, at this second. But you can't grow in this second. You grow over a period of time. So, because Baracha, blessing, blessing is a blessed time. Blessing is a time which the beginning and the end the end measures more than the beginning. I can put a lot of fruits in your larder so that you would say, bless my refrigerator and it should be full of fruits. But that wouldn't be the blessing we're talking about here. The blessing we're talking about here applies to bless the time that I spend where I see growth and development. And to a great extent, what the Bukhah is saying is that it's more important to be productive than to be rich. Notice the pasuk I quoted when 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 God first comes back to B'nai Tzion and says to them, "The good times have arrived." Uv'nei Tzion gilu b'simchu b'adonai loichem. Rejoice and be happy in the Lord your God. Ki natan lachem et hamoreh litztaka. The moreh is the first rain. When the first rain comes to the farmer, he goes out and he does his his rain dance. He doesn't have anything. There are no fruits. There aren't even any seeds in the ground yet. It rains the beginning of the winter. The first rain, the more is Sukkot time, and the pasuk says it explicitly: "Vayored lachem geshem more umalkosh barishon." At the beginning, but that's the bracha already. In the end, there'll be food. In the end, we'll be rich. In the end, we'll have what to eat. But you begin to rejoice when you see the process begin. And therefore you know that Umalu The years that were eaten by the locusts, the years of crop failure, there's not difference with the crop failures because the disease the, 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 the fruits were sick or because the locusts came from that. The locusts aren't 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 uh, the neighbors who come and steal your fruits. 
it's, it's a form of agricultural failure. The most devastating form, which is why it was chosen for this parak. But those years where the time went by and, and, you, and you worked and you planted, what's so unbelievable credit about the locusts? Not that you plant, nothing comes up. It comes up, the fruits are on there, you're about to, to harvest them and they're wiped out by the scourge, by the invasion of the, of the millions, hundreds of millions, I believe, of, of, of locust insects which ascend and, and destroy everything and nothing is left. So those years were wasted years. You worked, you worked, and nothing came out of it. They were unproductive years. You did the same motions, you worked just as hard as any other years, but nothing came out. Nothing in the end could be brought into the, into the uh, storage bins. And God says, I will pay you back for those years. Because the worst, the opposite of bracha is an unproductive year. And bracha is a, is a productive year. And about that it is said, the presence of God in Israel isn't expressed in a lot of money, a lot of fruits. It's expressed in God, which of course will be a lot of fruits in the end. But I don't measure God in my midst because I'm rich and God in my midst because I'm poor. God is not in my midst because I'm sterile. And God is in my midst because I'm productive. And therefore the Bacha is not asking do we have a lot of food? but that we should be productive and we should be productive because God is in our midst there is one phrase in the Bacha which is worth uh, paying attention to also because it appears in two different versions which are very very close and I wouldn't normally comment on the small differences between Svad and Ashkenaz except that here not that it's so important here they both say the same thing but the point is interesting the Sabeinu Mituva or the Sabeinu Mituvecha if at the Gisa, if the correct uh, version is the Sabeinu Mituvecha and, and fill us up with your good, then it's exactly the point I'm making. The Bracha is not that we should have a lot of food, but we should have the fruits that come from God. The Sabeinu Mituvecha, your good, because God's presence is part of the Bracha. It's not a theological reason why it takes place. That can be said about anything. Of course I believe in God, and therefore everything that, that I get comes from God. But here it's part of what I want. It's part of what I'm asking for. It, it is in fact, the, the, the fruits are merely the outward manifestation of the presence of God. The other version is the Sabenu Mituva, meaning the land. And that sounds uh, more normal. Words, I want uh, fruits to come from the land. But notice the verb Sabenu. What does it mean We should be filled. Svi'a, connected to fruits, connected to bracha, of course, is one particular pasuk in the Torah, Pashat Ekev, the basis for Bekat HaMazon, Ve'achalta, Ve'savata, Uve'rachta, Hashem Elokecha, Al Ha'aretz HaTovah Shel Tanach. Svi'a, Beracha, Aretz. Where's the Bracha found? The Jews are walking in the desert. Nothing grows there. Where do they get their foods from? From God, from the man. That you should know, Ki lo ala lechem levado adam. You should, the purpose of the mind was to teach you that you don't live on bread alone, but on the word of God. And then it says, God will bring you to Eretz Israel, and you'll fulfill that lesson. In the, in the desert you learn that, you ate the word of God. Ki And then when you come to Eretz Israel, and you'll find a land that's full of Eretz, 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 Eretz,
the Gefen Utenava Rimon, Eretz Hashem Udvash, land that has all the seven produces uh, of Eretz Israel. Remember the lesson learned in the desert? We're in the desert. We don't really live off fruits. We live off the word of God. Vesavata. What does it mean, svia? Svia doesn't mean that you have a lot. You're not full when you have a lot. Svia means that you have more and more. You, you, you're productive, and therefore, in effect, you have an infinite amount, because you always can produce more. If you have a lot, you know it's psychologically true. People have a lot are hungry because they want more. Sviyaz, when you don't have to worry about tomorrow because you have productivity, you have the assault, you have the, the, the fresh water, uh, um, spring, which, mayan hamitkaber, which produces more and more and more and more and more. That's what it means, sviyaz. As the sabbeinu mituva is not that we should have the good of the earth, but we should know that the good of the earth is an inexhaustible font of productivity. In other words, it's the presence of God. So I think that's the meaning of that girsa as well, or that version as well. I have to thank God that I uh, was born into a family which taught me to say, because I like saying my ideas directly and not having to, to scratch the surface to understand them. Make our time period, yes, an agriculture time period is a year, make our time period as blessed as the good years. Years which are productive and not years which are, which are sterile. And for all eternity, my people will not dry up or will not be shamed. Because if God is in our presence now, we have le'olam, lo ye'evoshu ami, ami le'olam. We have now concluded the first half of the uh, requests of Shuan Asri, the 13 requests in the middle of Shuan Asri. It's clearly divided into personal requests, things that I need. And the second half are national requests. The next bacha will be kibbutz galiyot, basically future God should redeem and restore Israel. Return of the exiles. Return of the Sanhedrin. After Jerusalem, Mashiach. We finished the first half. And what has happened, and I can't say that I planned to do this when I began this series, but what happens is that in each and every one of the Bachot, by examining the language of the Bachot, we have seen how the Bachot is about mundane human needs, health, wealth, solving other problems. But in each one of them, Chazal made us realize that underlying the need and underlying the solution to the need was our connection to God. Not that we asked God to solve the problem. We asked God to come back to us or we should come back to Him or we should join ourselves with God and therefore the problem will be solved. The difference between the last Bacha and this Bacha I said almost exactly the same thing concerning health and sickness, was that there, it was on a personal level. If if you obey the mitzvot and God is found in you, then your body will be healthy. On the national level, on the collective level, if we will observe the mitzvot, if we will do tshuva and God will be in our midst, then our fields will produce will produce uh, produce. 
But both of them, we need both. We need to be healthy. And we need to have, we need to have food to eat. And that's what we're asking for. The Bacha isn't about spiritual concerns. It's about physical concerns. But the Bacha is saying, and the Psukim that we quoted are saying, the Psukim in Pashat Pashalach and the Psukim in Yoel this week, are saying that our physical mundane world is a reflection of our spiritual relationship with God. To a certain extent, one could say that tefillah is, at least this part of tefillah, is the bridge between the physical world and the spiritual world. God is in His heavens. We're living down here. And because of that, idolaters and other people have always sought other means of producing better crops, of taking care of the physical world, because God has a spiritual concern. You've got to speak to Him on Sundays. You go, perhaps you'll say some praise, perhaps you'll think about Him. But to get the crops to, to grow, you need other, other means. There's a gulf. There's a logical gulf. It's not just that they're mistaken. There's a logical, metaphysical gulf between the spiritual world and the, and the physical world. But that gulf is bridged by tefillah. Just as when the Beit HaMikdash was in existence, it was bridged by the korban, whereby I take real gashmas, I take blood and flesh, and I turn it into smoke, which rises up. Smoke is a, smoke is a symbol of a spiritual existence. It's not, it's not something you can put in your hands and grasp. And it dissipates into the air and disappears while rising up towards God. What's called haktara, to make the physical into smoke, to make the physical into spiritual. That was a bridge between the physical and the spiritual world. And the that's surprising, the Ban says that in return for the Korban, the spiritual world becomes physical. The Panasak comes down from heaven on the same route that was created by the smoke arising. Tefillah is a parallel to Korban in a sense. And we do it not by, not by, you know, asking God to combine the two, but by really showing ourselves how we want God to be in our midst so that we will have knowledge, so that we will have, obviously, so that there will be Geula, Rifu'ah, and Panasa. And therefore, even though the Bachot are extremely mundane, we, we're not, this is not uh, metaphysics. Jewish Tefillah is about the things which hurt me. The things that I lack, the things that I need, the physical things that I need to keep my life going. But the Bachai explains to us that all those things are outward manifestations of a relationship with God, of God's presence in our lives, within our lives, and in our midst. Vidatem, and you should know. If you want a diamond, you should know. Ki v'kerev Yisrael ani, for I am in the midst of Israel. And I am the Lord, their God. The Einod, and there is no other. Einod Milvada, we have no one else to turn to. And then, the Yevoshu Ami, the Ola. Kol Tov.